Hello, welcome back to my podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking about um, the life as an 18-year-old and some of the problems we face, and also my personal and also some of the advice that I've received, my personal view and the, the advice I've received on how to look at these difficulties. So this may be a very long episode, and it can get maybe it will get depressing at times but i believe this is a very important message um, to be shared so this episode is inspired by uh, a couple of friends of mine who are all um, going through um, this time of being 18 year old and you know graduating high school um, there are quite a few of them that are undergoing some problems and um, I think there are some common themes and a common thread amongst these problems that I think um, are particularly worth exploring. So um, let's first start with analyzing what the problem is. So the, the, the general scheme is that there is tremendous difficulty with regards to um, living a life and I think there are two aspects to it. First of all, is the self um, self responsibility. So, again, linking back to the idea of individualism versus collectivism, this would be the individual side of things. So, well, once you're an 18 year old, you know you're legally required um, to carry out certain responsibilities. Of course, you have. Um, uh, the, the ability to drive, to illegally drink, to smoke cigarettes, and uh, a, uh, and whole other sorts of um, activities and rights that you can now enjoy, but with that comes with a lot of responsibility, and that is a something that we'll need to learn to cope with. And the second part of the self responsibility that's difficult is the readjustment after high school. So since you're now outside of high school, you basically lost your comfort zone, you lost your safe circle, and now you're maybe a little bit lost, but the most important thing is you have to sort of go on a journey of self-exploration, and you have to find a way to redefine yourself. How to, in a very practical sense, take yourself out of a high school student's life and construct an identity of yourself that is pretty much vested in yourself only, not characterized by any of the institutional um, influences in your life. Well, a, a big part of that has to do with, well, um, in at least in um, most systems we know, um, it's only required that we do secondary education. So once we graduate high school, it's not mandatory to go to college. So in that sense, you actually have to struggle with, okay, so now I'm, I'm not doing something that I absolutely have to do, then what am I gonna do now? So that's another aspect that people struggle with tremendously, including myself. And the third aspect is how to reorient yourself um, in the times of COVID-19. So um, COVID, in, in a sense, is a very, it's a very drastic and unwanted change in their life and people can get lost in it because we have never had any sort of preparations or prior experience to anything of this scale or of this particular type. So for us, people like us is not be, being able to go to college, not being able to go abroad, not being able to do too many productive things. And 
also, you know, being confined to your current environment, but also um, not being able to achieve things at, at the scale that you used to be able to. So let's say taking online classes and just doing homework, that is actually not as productive and um, internally rewarding as to going to school and, you know, communicating with friends in a, in a physical capacity. So yeah, that, that takes a toll as well. And that's your, your, your responsibility to maintain yourself in that sense. And also you will be asking yourself, okay, so now with COVID, what is my next big personal plan? What's the next thing I'm going to do? Because COVID sort of messes everything up. People start to take gap semesters, gap years. It's like it interrupts your schedule. So you thought you were on, you were on a certain track and now you may be a little, a little lost. So yeah, those are the um, criteria in the personal sense that I think um, forms a part of the adversity that we now face as, as 18 years old. And the, 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 the second aspect of it would, of course, be looking at it from the collective side of things. Um, so it's the collective responsibility. So for us who are now out of... Um, out of school, I'd say you know, uh, a major pillar of the collective responsibility um, rests on um, our families, so our familial roles. And this actually um, stems off, I think, at least most people that I know, or most people who listen to this podcast, um, with uh, on a personal basis. Uh, are not particularly very well off in, in, um, per se in terms of their families. So yeah, most friends I have and most people I know, at least um, in the school context, are people who are in the upper middle class segment of the social strata. So then one of our problems becomes, you know, um, paying back for our parents' hard work or, you know, whomever supported you, um, fed you and, you know, keep you alive, you know, during the times before 18. Because, well, before then we're practically useless in a survival sense. So, yeah, it's about paying back. And it's also about carrying the, carrying the load for your family. So that's say, well, now you're a legal adult and you're still a member of your family. That means you have a certain responsibility um, towards the continuity and the growth of your own family. So, yeah, that's another responsibility as well. Both of those can be viewed financially, paying back, your, paying back for your parents and also carrying the load for your family. Those are both in the very physical and visceral sense and also in the financial sense. And also a, a third part of it that's a little bit more obscured would be, you know, to prove yourself to your family. So let's say you have to solidify your position in your family and also trying to establish the fact that, okay, now it's my turn to contribute. I'm actually contributing, that I'm actually worth something and I'm supposed to make my family proud and uphold, you know, um, some of the um, spirits and merits of the family. So, yeah. But in particular, I want to draw out um, the financial burden part to talk about it. Um, it can be viewed from it both a individual um, and collective perspective. But I feel like it's something that most of us are struggling with immensely. And I want to take that out and specifically talk about that as well later on.
So now I've laid out what's so difficult about living life as an as an 18 year old. Well, not particularly what's so difficult, but the challenges and I, I personally see it as the, the responsibilities that you have to deal with as an as an 18 year old. Now I'm briefly going to talk about my views about these adversities, these difficulties. And I'm going to contextualize it a little bit. And by that, I mean, put that against the backdrop of our lives, um, of ourselves, of our families, and just of the way of life that human beings have, have developed. So the first um, part of my view is going it's going to have to do with the natural progression of a human life in a modern capitalistic society. So let's start. Let's start with this point. Um, a lot of us feel like, oh, well, we, or we're now eighteen, and you know, we've graduated from high school, and we're somehow now ready um, to take flight. And now we have these added responsibilities on our shoulders that we should be able to take up the mantle and actually, you know. Um, pay our dues and actually start making some contributions that's the attitude that um, we have but the fact is I, I don't think we're we're prepared we're not prepared at all J just because of the fact that you're 18 doesn't mean you're ready for for the job at hand or for whatever aspirations you have for yourself and that um, links back to our education that the education that we received the education we, we received is not designed for a path of self-orientation and self-exploration. We learn factual knowledge and some, and some thinking skills in school, but we never learn about how to orient ourselves in the world, to balance our lives, and to make sure that we somehow stay afloat. And we don't learn how to, I guess, re reflect upon our, our, ourselves and constantly make adjustments. We learn things like how to build a ship, what materials to choose to build a ship, but we never learn how to navigate the ship across oceans, um, across difficult terrains. When there are storms, when there are thunderstorms, when it's snowing, how do we deal with these difficulties? We, d we don't learn that. So if you're going from um, high school to college to working a nine to five nine to five nine to five job without ever having to worry too much about your conscious self so your self identity and you don't have to worry about difficulties within your families unwanted and also unwanted disruptions like COVID-19 or things like parental divorces for example then this education would be pretty well suited for you since you're you're on, you're on a you're on you're on a track. Um, that's that's the, the designed to be this way, and given that all things go smoothly, then you should have a pretty satisfactory outcome. But apparently, that's not the case for us. Um, you have to realize that now we're out of the safe zone of the school. We have little to none survival skills, and we are basically starting from scratch. So this is sort of the beginning of all for for all of us. Mm, in a sense that we have to um, start to learn what it's like or at least build up our own skill set about how to survive and how to orient ourselves in the world from scratch through practical trial and error because those things are not taught in school. 
And so, yeah, um, the first thing that w when you're out of high school, when you're 18, is actually a con continued learning process about how to orient yourself in the world. And, well, I, I guess you, you come to this conclusion relatively quickly that life is inherently hard. The, the reason why life is inherently hard, there are multiple ways to justify that, both in the survival sense and the personal sense. And I think for that, that, that deserves its own episode. Uh, so I think we just take it for granted now that life is inherently hard and we're learning how to navigate it by ourselves after the age of 18. So if that's the case, a lot of us sort of um, falls into this mindset that, you know, we have to be, 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 be doing something already that, you know, um, not only um, s about skipping the learning process directly going into actually producing something, but also in terms of the idea that um, we have to be making progress or else we don't know how to gauge ourselves. And that's actually another problem that's derived from the school system. So before, when we make an effort, we're usually given feedback. So let's say you prepare for a test, you take the test, and you get a grade for the test. That's a relatively uh, objective and, I, I guess, in a, 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 a semi-comprehensive way to look at your effort and to evaluate yourself. But in a real world, there isn't really that gauge. Any effort that you put into, there isn't an objective way to say, okay, this is the amount of effort that I made, and these are good efforts. People don't give you a grade on how you live your life. So how do we go about that? I personally say it is okay to not be anything at 18. You know, it's okay if you're not high achieving. It's okay if you're, you know, not making, you're not making much money. It's okay that if you haven't found your way around the world at the age of 18. Because you have to contextualize it and look at it on a, uh, on a bigger scale. So if you look at this natural course of your life, um, you're pretty much just a kid when you're 18 and you pretty much know nothing. Usually people, um, their, their career or at least their life starts to um, steer towards a certain direction and their careers start to take flights when they're in their 30s. They experience some form of success in their 40s and they, they, they stay on that track and, and keep keep themselves grounded through their 50s and their 60s. And after that, you know, people, most people retire and, or at least they go pursue some other um, form of activity. So yeah, um, if you look at the entire span of life from when you're born to, you know, if you um, are lucky enough to die of old age, then when you're 18, you're really still in this process of figuring out what the world is. You're still constructing your worldview and still figuring it out, how to navigate it. So it's okay. That's not to say, you know, um, that you won't mount to anything at 18. But if you compare your 18-year-old self to your 30-year-old self in the future, by projecting into the future, you have to see that... Um, you're still early on in this process and forcing it won't help. So it's all about, you know, how can you orient or prepare yourself right now for who you will be in the future? Yeah, so that sense, it, it gives you some form of reassurance that you're not absolutely nothing 
and then you're on the track to something. So yeah, um, personally, um, I've known people uh, who claim to be drug addicts at the age of 18, uh, who has lost the direction of his life. And it pretty much is everything. Before they find the the purpose and the meaning, and you know, like situated themselves in a career in their thirties, a uh, family member of mine uh, actually transitioned uh, careers when they're in their fifties and finally found, you know, some form of financial stability in their life. Um, there's an elder also in my family who had a tremendously, uh, a, let's say, chaotic uh, childhood due to, you know, the context of um, the World War II and the Chinese Civil War. Um, yeah, there was chaos back in those days. But then later on, once things start to settle down in Taiwan, um, um, life be, um, took a more optimistic direction and things start to work out. So, yeah, if things don't work out now, if you have no idea what's going on. It, it's okay. You're still young and you're pretty much still starting out. Um, of course, that doesn't give you justification um, to slack off or become nihilistic. But this lets you know that you should be optimistic no matter how great the adversity. That's a paraphrase of uh, something that uh, one of the, the elders in my family uh, said to me in a, in a personal conversation. He says, yeah, it's it's important to look at the span of life. And, you know, as an older person looking at me in particular, you know, he sees hope and potential in people like myself. And, yeah, I, I personally say maybe that's a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of insight. But I personally, um, I can't relate to that statement right now. But just from a logical perspective, it, it definitely makes sense. And. That's one of the the uh, the ways that I can comfort myself um, in this time of un uncertainty and uh, in this stage of life where things are are muddy and messy. And the other thing is um, the other let's say the other um, way that I'm gonna make my argument has to do with uh, the fa familial and financial burden of her um, that um, quite a few of us have in terms of that you know we feel in debt to our, our parents the way that I'm going to argue this is it is not our choice to be sent to a, or to be or to have an international and privatized education um, I personally see it as an investment on behalf of my parents um, it's sort of like this so for us, we may see that our parents are making a great sacrifice personally, um, financially, and in, a, in another plethora of ways um, on our behalf. And we sort of feel in depth and we, we feel like we owe them something and we feel the need to, um, to, to, to pay them back and to do the family and our loved ones justice. But um, what we must also note is that this is a uh, investment for the long haul. So a, a lot of people say, you know, a education is an 
as an investment. Yes, it is an investment, but it's a very long-term investment. It's definitely not going to pay off right after you get out of high school. It is very common that we don't see, experience immediate success after we're out of high school. It often takes some more years before you can actually ground yourself and navigate your way around the world before you can start to do that. So this is, in a sense, and, and also added to the fact, not just education itself, but an expensive education, an international and privatized education. This makes this investment a great risk, great reward system. By that, I mean you're putting in a lot of capital um, in the Marxist or, you know, in the um, economic sense, let's say. You're putting in a lot of capital into this investment. And the reward might be big because you know, the quality of your education is inherently different. And you, some can even argue that it's better than the average education. So therefore, the person should be more well-educated and should be able to attain higher level of success when they're later on in society. That definitely makes sense. But this is a high risk, high reward. So, of course, there is definitely a, a mental element where there's this fear about the great risk. But just note that it's not all your fault and it's not all your fault it's not all of your responsibility so while your fam while families have invested into us and they've vested their trust into us um, what we can do um, in in the most positive sense is to be patient and also to be prepared because there's really not much that we can do and grappling with the the fear of this great risks is not really going to help at any current stage, at least for most of us, unless you're you're someone like Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or those tech giants, for example, who have a remarkable idea and who found a way to monetize and entrepreneurialize their their ideas early on in their life, or else most people won't be able to grapple any in any substantial way with the fear of this great risk anytime soon so yeah um that these are my two arguments to contextualize one's self and in, in the greater picture with regards to seeing your own adversities and grappling with your own life your your existential crisis at the age of 18 um but then yeah, um, branching off of that idea, the idea of um, contextualizing yourself, you also have to see not only your relations with your families and the world around you, but also your own relations with yourself. You have to see your own self not as just a, let me think how to say it. You can't just see yourself as uh, like, like a tool or like a manifestation of your will, will your mental willpower that you can constantly push through um and by that i mean there are a few people that i talked to especially last night i have a conversation with my friend he's been talking to me about some of his difficulties and that reflects on the things that i'm about to say so some of us um once try to single-mindedly focus themselves on the task that they deem important and see that things like hobbies and leisures um, to be something that 
um, is not only not necessary at this point, um, or something that only that one should only have after they have attained some level of success. Some people even feel guilty once they have indulged themselves in any form of non-essential activities. And personally, I struggle through that as well. Um, I once was very harsh on myself, and I tried to distance myself from the world because of that. Um, before I, 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 I sort of blindly follow that doctrine that you have unlimited, unlimited amount of mental capacity to push through everything. And if you have the willpower to do it, then you're going to do it. But now I've sort of, I would actually caution against that idea. That idea of you can just do anything you want. I'd say you you need some sort of a balance in your life. And although that might seem a little cliche, but once I elaborate on that more, I think it'll start to make more sense. So there's no doubt there's there are big pressure on our shoulders to to perform and to find our way in the world. But in a in a mental sense, uh, we're like rubber bands, you know. If we don't pull on it, it becomes a, it becomes too stiff, and if we pull on it too hard, then it snaps. So it's all about finding the right balance for the mind. As uh, this is a conclusion I've currently came to that even I myself don't have a limited amount of mental capacity for work and for anything. And once you get yourself stuck in a loop where you only reward yourself in any physical or mental sense by doing work, then it's extremely dangerous because once you start to fail in, in, in the work that you deem so important, your life falls apart. It's like, it's like investing in the stock market, you know. Um, this is also a recent example I've heard of a friend who experienced some uh, misfortunes with uh, dealing with the stock market is that if you focus yourself too hard on, the, on only on the things that you deem absolutely important so let's say academics then you're like putting all your money into one stock that's dangerous you have to diversify because if that one stock plummets then your whole thing is gone your whole world start to collapse and you basically lose all the motivation you know, that you can never muster so that's very dangerous so that's the first reason why you, sh you need a balance the second reason is there's actually a positive feedback loop that sort of comes with comes with it if you keep yourself in balance you know having both serious work and other forms of hobby and leisure and, and allow yourself to even seriously branch off into unknown territories like for me personally that would be while i'm in an, this is a personal example so while I was at a Model G20 conference, that, uh, that's also when I found my hobby for photography. So while I was seriously doing the conference things and having meetings, I was, I was also busy exploring how to take pictures. That's not exactly what you should do. And most people would, would say that I'm distracted. But I'd say, you know, it, it was a pretty good, good decision after all, given that I found photography to be an immensely rewarding and prosperous thing for, for me myself. So yeah, that's in another sense that uh, it works out. So not only does it open doors and lets you see things from a very different perspective, it widens um, your worldview and it also lends to more opportunity on, on, on your behalf. So 
while you're developing yourself, you also need to look at new ways to branch out. And that's particularly permanent in our, in our world where things are changing so fast. You know, some people say, yeah, when we get out of colleges, there'll be new jobs and the new form of jobs that we could have never predicted before. And the, the jobs that we aspire to now may not even exist you know, in, the, in, the, in the next decade or two. You know, in this day and age where everything's evolving so fast, you really need to have the ability to open yourself up to new avenues and be and be adaptable to just like basically you, you you need that openness you need the openness to experience or else you're gonna fail quite miserably when you know the stock that you bet on happens to plummet you have to, you have to diversify you have to diversify in a literal and metaphorical sense so yeah, this balance in your life, how do you how do you how do you achieve it? Oh, that's a personal question. It's a complex question. I can share with you how I do it. But the, the, I can the, I can also share with you the principle based on which I, I I try to grapple with that idea, which I think should be another episode in and of itself. So it's basically the in the in the in, in the in the biblical sense, this idea of the order and the chaos. Um it's like before there was anything, it was chaos and God came into the world and established order, you know, like days and nights and months and years and like the rotation of the stars, you know, like all of these things, these, these things are considered to be order. And in our society, we tend to value order at a much higher degree than chaos. But I'd say you need a little bit of both. So personally, if you have the capacity or the time, if you explore these ideas a little bit deeper, you'll find essentially what they mean and apply to your own personal context and see how that works out. And I, I think I'll share my own example of that as well in, the, in another episode. So yeah, just to sort of sum things up with regards to this contextualizing adversity and also applying that to my own personal life, how that works out is, um, first of all, I've been able to found I, I actually found a schedule for myself and for most of you that actually know me this is tremendous because I was the kind of person who says if I put my mind to something I'm going to be able to do it I'll be able to do it no matter what I was always very hard-headed I always counted on my own abilities but now I, I actually keep a schedule I actually follow a routine some sort of consistency in my life and financially, um, paying for college, of course, is no no easy deal. And well, I have, um, I'd say a third of my tuition is being paid by scholarship. And the others are all by loans and financial aid. So yeah, the all the others are, are basically loans that I have to pay back in the future. Am I afraid of that? Yeah, hell yeah, of course. And there are there there are interest rates to that. That makes it even more scarier. And a lot of people are actually in debt because you know um, because they they did financial aid when and also college loans when they're in college. So yeah, that does scare me. Um, how am I going to pay off those debts? Oh, I don't know yet. But uh, um, this is a way that I found to work for me at least financially. Um, to go about this route, at least for the time being, and and on the long run, I have to wait to su sustain myself, even though it may take a toll in the future in terms of actually after paying back those debts. But in my in my in my estimation, this is the best way to go about it for now, 
and in terms of leisure, every single day I find some time to play the piano, to play the guitar, um, to sing if my throat isn't feeling too bad, and also to go out and, and do some street photography. Um, not only do, do these things keep me fresh and also, you know, um, gives me some other interest to vest in, also en enriches my life experience and also some of the ideas that I get from taking photographs can actually be, you know, put into, let's say, an, an academic essay that I'm writing. So, yeah, these things do coexist quite peacefully and it, it sort of synergizes into something quite beautiful. Um... Overall, I think I don't know where I am and I don't know how much I'm doing. I don't know if this is enough. I don't know how successful I am. The only thing that I know is that I'm constantly moving forward and to not only look back at how far I've come, but also constantly looking down on my feet to see that I'm moving forward is a reasonable reassurance to myself that I am headed towards the right direction and it's partially blind faith but it's also all of the things that I've mentioned in, the, in this podcast about putting yourself against the backdrop of the entire human life that you can really start to see you know where you are right now so yeah it's like I have a map in my hand. I don't really, I can sort of see where I am on that map and I can see that I'm moving forward. And that stabilizes me and gives me um, the emotional comfort to keep on challenging myself and facing other external adversities. So yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you have a wonderful day.